What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Three Major Sports. Uh, we are here for our quarter century mark. We are episode number 25 tonight. As always, I'm joined by my co-host on the West Coast, Rob. What's up, man? Salutations, friend. Salutations. How's the weather out in the uh, Pacific Northwest? Uh, not freezing, which is nice. Uh, it's been sunny every day and in the low 50s. That's something. It's phenomenal. I'm jealous. I hate sweating. I sweat in January. Um, February now. It's nice. It hasn't been terrible down here. So that's good. awesome. So we are going to jump right into it this week. We're going to start with some NFL talk. So my Miami Dolphins have made a coaching hire. And they ended up with the guy who I really wanted them to get. Mike McDaniel, former offensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, somebody who turned Debo Samuel into an offensive juggernaut. Uh, I don't expect that same exact thing to happen here with him, but I, I do expect him to bring some offensive creativity to this team. Uh, he said in his opening press conference today that he wants to mold his scheme around his players' skills. I love that, right, because that's how we're going to get Tua to be successful is by molding around his skill set and not uh, setting him up for failure. And when you have a coach that supports you, I think that's going to be really big for him. Jalen Waddle, Jalen Waddle, Jalen Waddle. I'm so excited. We also brought over the tight ends coach who turned Kittle into what Kittle is now. Kittle was like a fifth-round pick. So he's going to work with Gusecki. We absolutely need to re-sign Gusecki. Like, that needs to happen first day of free agency. Um, but I'm excited about that. I'm excited, man. He said all the right things in this press conference today. He's a really smart dude. He went to Yale. Um, he's been in the league for like 18 years. Seven different organizations, I think it was. He's held all different positions. He's worked under both Shanahan's Kyle and his dad, Mike. He's worked under Gary Kubiak. Uh, he's worked under a bunch of people. So I am excited to see what he brings to the table and what he can get done with this team. It's rare that a new head coach inherits a winning team. So it's not like you have to build from the ground up. You've got something to function with. Like, let's see what you can do. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Do you have any thoughts on, on my uh, level of excitement here? Uh, I think it's justified. Um... He he has worked on the offensive staff of a team that sort of like made something out of nothing. I mean, you you, you think of sort of Jimmy Garoppolo's um, – we'll go with limitations. We'll use that word. Uh, shortcomings. Shortcomings, right. There's another one. Uh, and still turn them into a team that, you know, went to a Super Bowl and then a couple years later made the NFC Championship game as like a fifth or sixth seed. So um, I, I do – I'm optimistic that he's going to be very good. You never really know with first time coach. Uh, and he's also, he's worked on offensive staffs of coaches that are offensively minded. Uh, yes. So you never really know if it's like, is it your scheme or is it, uh, is it their scheme that you were just trying yeah. to perfect? So and, um, to, to that point, I, I'm glad you brought it up because I didn't mention it. I think there was a time when he was on the Redskins staff at the same time as McVay, Kyle Shanahan, and Matt LaFleur. Yeah. So he was, like, in the room with these guys. These are successful head coaches. I mean, obviously, McVay's going to his second Super Bowl right now. Shanahan has been to a Super Bowl and just went to the NFC Championship game. LaFleur has been in two NFC Championship games in his only two seasons as a head coach. He's got two MVPs out of his quarterback. Like, that's exciting. That dude, one of the guys in that fucking room is running our team now. Yeah, yeah. Um and and I can see that being being pretty cool. Uh, I just like I said, you you just 
you're not sure yet if it's if it's him or if it was the guys that he worked under. And to be honest, this is the last thing I wanted to say about it. The same thing happened when we hired Kevin Stefanski because he was only offensive coordinator for the Vikings for one year. Uh, the other two years, he was tight ends coach under Gary Kubiak as the offensive coordinator. Mm. So even when he came to Cleveland, it was sort of we have an idea what offense he's going to run, but well, we was it Kubiak? Sure or, right, yeah, exactly. Was it Kubiak or was it Stefanski? So, so I think sort of that same type of idea. And you know, if you get a the first year head coach winning coach of the year like Stefanski did, then I'd call that a win. So. Yeah, uh, so. I, I I certainly think you you could have done much worse. Um, oh, for sure. We'll just we'll just have to see sort of what it looks like. I mean, you had the Texans hiring Lovey Smith. I think is one of the dullest, dumbest things that a team could do uh, with all the guys that were out there, including Eric Bieniemy and and even Brian Flores. Dude, um, okay, well, Flores was never going to get another head coaching job again. I, I get it, and that sucks because I actually, I mean, when he got fired, we thought I agree. Him. We thought he he should. Still coach, and but he's going to get Kaepernick. I mean, that's that's just what it yeah, is. Yeah, even after reading the – I read the lawsuit. I read all 58 pages of it. It is – Did you really? I did. I did. I was very curious, <laughs> and I wanted to read – I wanted to see what kind of argument they're putting up. And it's not nearly as damaging to the Dolphins as it is to the league as a whole and kind of like presenting reasonable evidence to suggest that they do have a level of, of systemic racism in, in the way that they hire not just – GMs and head coaches, but all the way down to position coaches, like the, it, it goes to specifically point out like how many black quarterback coaches there are, because quarterback coaches have the by the numbers are the highest percentage of coaches that get uh, elevated and promoted to offensive coordinator. And when you're an offensive coordinator, obviously you're one you're one step closer to being a head coach. There's like only six uh, black offensive coordinators and twelve black defensive coordinators in the league right now. And it's, like, even less QB coaches. So, like, they broke this all down in this lawsuit. That's why I was very curious to read the whole thing. They do present – they don't say anything that we don't really know. They put statistics to it, which really making me – like, it opened my eyes to it. Like, I already knew this, but I was like, man, that is, like, fucking crazy. One of the ones that blew my mind is there have been 17 black head coaches in the history of the NFL. And four of them have been fired after winning seasons. That's, like, 23%. There have been 176 white head coaches in the NFL. Six of them have been fired after winning seasons. So it's like Ooh. a four percent. Yeah, like it's like a disgusting like argument they put up. And it's like, man, when you put all these facts together on several sheets of paper back to back, and you start really like seeing it, you're like, man, okay, this. I'm not saying it's true, but this is a, a valid argument that I guess the courts on a civil level are going to look into this and see what's up. I feel like they have enough to actually have some sort of trial. Um, but anyway, yeah, so his lawsuit, like, I get it, but you can't put your – like, once you put your name on that and you lead that charge, like, yes, you, you know you're getting captured. Like, it's – and props to him. He said it in one of his statements. He's like, you know, guy gave me a, a talent to, to coach this sport or whatever, but he goes, I feel like it's my responsibility. If, if this costs me not being able to do that, what I love, then so be it, because I feel like this is something that should be addressed and talked about. So I'm like, all right, bro, honor and respect, and this is the right thing to do, but you're, you're not going to get another coaching job. Like, that shit's just not going to happen. So the, I think that the Texans ended up hiring Lovey Smith halfway as a panic move because they just fired a black coach, and like, yo, let's just get another one, and just be like, look, bro, we got back-to-back black head coaches. What are you guys talking about? And I'm sure... But Eric Bieniemy would have been black, too. <laughs> There's something to that, dude. There's a reason that he's not even getting interviewed at this point. It's bullshit. It's, it doesn't make any sense. 
Because everybody maybe in Kansas he's... City loves the guy. Maybe he's a really bad interview. <sighs> I mean, I just I can't imagine as a as a GM and as a team president and then as a team owner that Matt Nagy really interviews that much better than Eric Bieniemy that he got four years in Chicago and this man, guy can barely get a job. Maybe he did though. I mean, there are some people who are like okay, coming from somebody who like. When I apply for jobs, if I get an interview, I have already considered myself hired for that job. Like, I yeah, it is ridiculous. That's it's just how some people operate. So like, maybe that's just how like somebody like Nagy is. You walk in there and you blow these people away with bullshit, and then obviously <laughs> you get you get caught on the job eventually. But hey, he still he collected what three? Did he make it through four years or at least three years of that contract? So yeah, he had three years of Trubisky and then the year of Justin Fields. So he oh, made it through yeah. a whole four year contract. So that's more than most NFL coaches can say. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, there's got to be something to the B enemy thing. Again, he's in the previous cycles he has gotten interviews and then not hired. In this cycle, he hasn't even gotten interviewed from what the reports are. I thought I he had one with, with the Texans. That. I don't think so. I didn't hear him come up in any of them in any of the openings, and they're all full now. So like, it's not happening this cycle. So yeah, I'm just gonna, I don't know. I'm there's just gonna something... look it up real quick. Go for it. So there's something. So that I mean, yeah, Lovey Smith is a dull hire. I wouldn't be surprised if he's fired again next offseason when the Texans do again only win two games, three games, whatever. <laughs> um, which is just all the more reason for me to think that this is just something. You know, if we're gonna hire us, just like a plug for a season, let's at least make it a black dude, and get these people off our case. Yeah, he interviewed for Denver. Mm. Who did Denver go with? The uh, Nathaniel OC from Packard. the yeah, oh, the, yeah Packers. from the from the Packers. Yeah. Yeah, Nathaniel okay. Hackett. I mean, okay, he's got back-to-back MVPs there in a in an offense that's obviously worked very well. It's if you're a good interview, I can see how he hits like he can get something to cycle. Obviously, we got uh, we, he didn't come up in our search at all, and from what I heard. In our reports, it was Dable, Kellen Moore, and obviously Mike McDaniel. Uh, the Saints interviewed him too this year, and they went with Dennis Allen. There's something going on there, Rob. There's something going on there. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't know. know, man. I it's gonna I take. It. It's gonna take. Like honestly, as bad as it sounds, it's gonna take Mahomes like getting hurt. And him proving that he can run an offense that doesn't involve Patrick Mahomes and it still be successful. Like, we'll even give you that you have Kelsey and Hill. Make it work with somebody who's not Patrick Mahomes, and I think maybe it ups his credibility in the league and he can get over this hump. But I don't know what else he fucking needs to do. Consecutive AFC title games four years in a row, two Super Bowls, a title. Like, what the fuck else does this guy need to do? Right, and it's not like the offense that he designed. Granted, Andy Reid does call all the plays, but, like, clearly Biennemi has something to do with it. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Uh, we'll see. We'll yeah. see what, what jobs open up next year and see what happens with this guy. So, but anyway, super excited about the dolphins. Can't wait for training camp, man. I was, I was, I was swearing them off a month ago. It's just crazy what emotion does. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. We, we know how this works. You'll, you'll be back. It, that's how it always Mike goes. McDaniel. Mike McDaniel, baby. Anyway. Um, cool. So, it is Thursday night. We are a couple of days away from the final game of the season as we come into SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. 
We've got the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams in the Super Bowl. Two years in a row that a home team plays in their home stadium in the Super Bowl after it never happening before. That's kind of insane. Uh, but the Rams are playing in their home stadium. And this should be an awesome game. I will, because you are a native Ohioan and you've got Joe Burrow starting in this, and there's somebody from your division in the Super Bowl, you can lead us off on what you think is going to go down on Sunday. Uh, I mean, I've sort of been on the Rams since the very beginning of the season. Um, yes, we I think we've have. said this. We, well, yeah, we, we've said this offline a little bit. I know I keep picking against the Bengals and they keep making me look silly. I, I, I think Same. I'm going to keep doing that. Honestly, um, I don't know. I, I think McVeigh figures out a way to get the offense going in the second half because that seems to be what happens with Cincinnati is their their offense sort of sputters through the first half. Their defense mm-hmm. is sort of blah. And then after halftime, it's like they switch out to the 85 Bears and you can't put up any points. <laughs> and then, you know, Burrow, Burrow leads them on two or three drives and all of a sudden you're tied or behind. Right. Um, I, I think with their defense – and the offense he's built with Stafford, uh, I think they can withstand that. Especially, I mean, their their home field advantage is bullshit. Like it is, it's not. I I, uh, I saw Bar- Barstool shared um, the two pep rallies, and Cincinnati had thirty thousand people in a stadium uh, for their pep rally before the players left for California, and the uh, the Rams had something like five hundred people show up to a high school <laughs> stadium uh, where they they Bro. did their pep rally. It was just embarrassing. It's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, there's something to be said for these like glamour cities. I mean, you guys, it's you're not. not you're it's not about the team being bad. a transplant team again. Like the well, the, that it's too. A team that wasn't there, and then now they're back. Like, but you, you it's guys the do same the same thing, thing with the Chargers. You guys do the same thing. It's not to the same level. I'm not. I'm not saying it's identical, but I'm just saying like cities like that, especially in warm weather, where there's just so many different things to do. You just no, have Dolphin a fans different... are hardcore, bro. Do not put us in that. We will always be with the team. I'm just putting Miami fans. No, no, no. We yeah, are, yeah, yeah, yeah. We are all the way to the end, bro. No, no, you are. Dolph- or, uh, Miami fans as a whole are not. But either way, I think that plays a big part in it, honestly. But that's a really long-winded version of saying I think the Rams are going to win. I um, I have struggled with this. I really – I feel bad that I bitched out not picking the Bengals against the Chiefs because, like, I, I, I wanted to, but I was, like, just – After the Buffalo that, game, you couldn't. You just couldn't. That, yeah, that seems illogical. So, I didn't. Yeah. And now I'm like, man, they have a legitimate chance to win this game. Of course they do. Um, if they beat Kansas City in Kansas City, then they can beat anybody. Right. So – Man, does Burrow have this magic left in him? Um, yes. Does Does the offensive line hold up enough? I mean, he took nine sacks against Tennessee, and they still managed to win that game. But um, yeah, Stafford and McVeigh are much different animals than not... uh, Vrabel and Tannehill. <laughs> well, no, and I'm saying, and just from a, a defensive perspective, like Aaron Donald, Von Miller, like Jalen Ramsey, this is yeah, uh, this is a legitimate defense. Yeah, and Von Miller is like five six years ago von miller like he's yeah, all he's of a sudden terrorizing maybe. again absolutely so i need to pause for one second uh i can't record it inside my house because my wife is sleeping and so and these dogs next door are going crazy so i apologize for everybody listening uh super unprofessional but hey this is why you're here with us because we keep it fucking real so <laughs> continuing on i am terrified that uh 
I picked the Rams and the Bengals embarrassed me and I have this regret. But I've been way too high on the Rams all season. I think Stafford is such an underrated quarterback and I knew this was a year that he could absolutely come out and prove that and he's on the doorstep of doing it. Dude started off looking like an MVP this season. Um, Sean McVay, second Super Bowl in his five seasons as a head coach, but the dude's 36 years old. I, that's incredible. He's he's bound to get one. I think this is probably the one. Uh, that defense, again, is primed. It's ready. It's got hungry players who haven't had a championship, and then it's got Von Miller leading him. Who knows what it's like? So I think, yeah, I think the Rams are going to win this. I think it's going to be something like 28-24, 31-28. Keep it close, but both offenses are going to show out. Mixon and Chase and, and the other receivers. Um and then Joe Burrow, I think they're gonna they are gonna take advantage of this stage. This team is gonna be around. Like this, I don't know. I don't think this is gonna be a one time shot for them. I think it's gonna be a problem in the AFC for a minute. Um, but I don't think that they get a title here. I think you gotta go through those growing pains. The Rams, you know, went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, super high powered offense, and a Brian Flores led Patriots defense actually shut them down, right? So they've they've gone through these pains and uh, obviously Matt Stafford's had a career of growing pains. So I think it's time that, you know, they all basically conquer those demons and, and go over it. I think the Rams win um, in a good, tight game, fun Super Bowl with a kick-ass halftime show. Uh, Gen Z is about to find out who their parents really are, which is going to be phenomenal. <laughs> it's phenomenal. I cannot wait. So, yeah, Indeed. that's our Super Bowl. That is our Super Bowl pick. The game is this Sunday. I believe kickoff is 6.30 Eastern uh, on NBC. You can watch it on Peacock, too. They should pay me for advertising for them. Uh, <laughs> So that is this Sunday. So we'll talk about, obviously, the results after and see what's up with that. So that is uh, the conclusion of our NFL section. We are going to move on to some NBA talk. So today at 3 p.m. was the trade deadline. But, man, the last couple of days leading up to it were just as eventful and fascinating as the deadline day today. Today, obviously, we had the big splash, um, I guess, the title trade of the season. So we'll, we'll talk about that one a little later. But... Let's start with how we started the week off. And I believe the Cavs were the first one to pull off a big trade with Carius Levert. Isn't it? Am I correct? Uh, it was two days after the Clippers and Blazers one. Um, but we can do the That's... Cavs one first. And then we'll do Go the, for it. the you, Clippers you start wherever one. You, want, you, you start wherever you want to start. Your team was involved in this. So feel free to lead off with them if you'd like. Okay. So uh, we're, we're going to do the five biggest that we thought at the deadline. Uh, so we'll lead off with uh, the Karis Levert trade. Uh, obviously, we got Karis LeVert and a second-round pick from Indiana for a lottery-protected first-round pick this year, uh, which that should convey. And then a Rockets second-round pick this year, which will be very, very high. And then the Jazz second-round pick from, like, five years from now. So, um, basically, it's as of right now, those picks look like they're going to be, like, 23 and 33, which, I mean – I've I've heard a couple different analysts sort of be like, oh, they gave up too much for Levert. It's like, yeah, if you get Karis Levert with the 23rd pick in the draft, like you're celebrating that you got a 20 point per game score in, in you know, the 23rd right. pick. Like, I don't, I, I don't quite understand the idea. I guess maybe the contract size, um, but I don't understand the idea that, that somehow this was a bad thing. Um, so you, but where, where did that Houston pick go? Or what you guys took that in or you gave that out? We gave that out. So we had Houston's second round pick this coming year. Oh, second uh, round pick. Okay, okay. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was their first round pick. 
No, second. second. Okay, so okay, they, okay, okay. No, we gave up our own first, and then the the rocket. Okay, side. which is definitely not going to be in the lottery, and yeah, that's going to be a late mid twenties pick probably. So yeah, that's not. I, I don't see. Yeah, I like that trade. I like it for you guys, especially in the position that you're in right now. Obviously, your your point differential and your defense has been strong, so adding some offense to it is always a plus. Um, Just a ball handler, bro. Like we, someone who can dribble. <laughs> like. We had a bunch of guys who like could dribble three or four times in a row, and that was about their limitation. Huh. Besides for Darius Garland, like that was it. I mean, okay. uh, Rondo too, but like. And Rondo, someone, that guy's yeah, putting out someone... fucking warning messages talking about Cleveland gonna be a problem in the playoffs. I was like, huh. I don't like yeah. to agree with Rondo, but fuck, I think he's right. <laughs> he is a very smart man. I, I've never had him on my team, so I've always disliked him. But yeah, he's he knows what he's doing, which is which is fun. Yeah, so I think that was a good trade for the Cavs. I think it's it's gonna. I mean, it, you guys are a real contender. Like, the East is wide fucking open, and you anybody in those top seven teams is one injury away from being out of it, including the Heat. So, like, yeah, man. Well, I think this is this is good. Yeah, it, and you can even stretch that to the top eight teams because the Nets are going through that right now. I mean, they they yeah. don't have that one guy, and now they've lost ten in a row. I mean that's yeah, that's we're that's what it looks like. They went from second to to eighth in a week and a half. Yes, they did. Yeah, we will yeah, talk about the Brooklyn Nets soon enough. We certainly will. They will come up. <laughs> I think I have a feeling uh, they're on this list. So the the next one, oh man, and I think I did I sent you the the end of the All Star draft between LeBron and Durant. Yes, right? yes, yes. Oh, yes. oh man, we'll save that for later because that, that was, was that's classic. That's perfect. Oh, it was fantastic. LeBron couldn't help himself. It was no, fantastic. No, no, no. Um, so we'll, we'll do the, the Clippers and the Blazers trade from, that was like basically the first one in February. Uh, it sort of got the deadline week started. Um, Norm Powell and Robert Covington going from, uh, the Blazers to Los Angeles. Uh, the Blazers got Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and a second round pick in the future. Uh, I think a really great pick for LA, especially once all their guys come back. Um, this isn't necessarily for this year, although Powell and Covington will obviously help. Um, but this is really about you, you have Norm Powell for four more years with Leonard and uh, and George, and he's a guy you would have never been able to sign um, in free agency with your cap situation. So being able to get him for for basically table scraps was uh, was pretty awesome, I thought, for the Clippers. Yeah, like you said, this is um, this is a move geared at keeping. Kawhi in LA and going after a title with him because what did he just sign like a a, a one and one right that was his extension because he's hurt this year so this was one year of the contract and I think it's only one more before like a player option so the Clippers need to make this look like a feasible situation for him to stay in next season and this goes towards helping that um, so yeah I mean good move for them overall the, the Trailblazers are just in wheeling and dealing mode there's nothing I, I still can't pick up a big rhyme or reason to what they're doing i'm assuming they're just trying to open up space to get dame help in the offseason because they didn't do it at the deadline um so i don't know what's going on there but yeah i think it's a good move for the clippers it's it's again they know where the priority is and i think they realize that the priority is it's not this season it is next season but they need to really go hard next season uh yeah i, so I think see. one of the one of the neat parts about Steve Ballmer's ownership. And I was listening to a pod yesterday where Mark Spears was talking about a conversation he had with him is like, finally the Clippers 
they may not win titles every year, but they're also not going to be a laughing stock ever again. And a big part of that is how Ballmer runs the franchise and just like money's never going to be an issue for them just because he's so friggin' rich. Um, but just like the decisions that they make are typically very intelligent. Like they've made very few dumb decisions since he bought the team, uh, which you could not say during the Donald Sterling years. So yeah, I, I really like that trade for them. And going through this trade list, I'm just going to add this on separate from, from this trade. Uh, I'm going to add a sixth in there too, because I forgot about the CJ McCollum one. Oh yeah. Okay. So we'll, that was, we'll not throw that one in there too. Top five. Well, let's just do that one next then. Yep. Go for yeah, it. So, okay. so Clippers, the third one, that trade, let's move on to the aforementioned trailblazers and their wheeling and dealing. That's right. Continuing on um, the Pelicans from Portland got CJ McCollum, Larry Nance Jr. And Tony Snell. For Josh Hart, Tomas Sedaransky, Nikhil Alexander Walker, temporarily, and some dude named Dee Dee, uh, and then a protected first round pick and two second round picks. Um, mm. Did not feel like enough for McCollum. Um, that one just came across as a, more of a salary dump. Uh, yep. Just preparing to pay Anthony Simons. Well, that was the first, the first thing I thought it was salary dump. I didn't think about re-signing Simon. I was thinking about them trying to lure somebody over in the open market this offseason. Yeah, I think Portland. Portland's sort of going to be like Cleveland, where they're they're never going to get a guy to come sign there. They're going to have to. They're going to have to use their. Cleveland was able to do it because they had LeBron there. I think that well, because you have Dame there, that's your that's your pull. Like that's the only thing you have to sell. Well, we but never we never even sell. got a free agent, even with LeBron. We didn't get a free agent. No one above the minimum. We had to trade for Kevin Love. Okay, fine, but that was because of restrictions to your cap. Like if he had, if he had this situation where he had the space, like right now, it would be a free agent, and it wouldn't have to be a trade. Maybe it would be a trade because of who you wanted to target, but it wouldn't yeah. have to be. They, LeBron didn't have that. If he had that availability, dude, he would have pulled whoever he wanted. Come on, let's be real. He basically pulled whoever he wanted while giving out minimums. Yeah, I, I just. I guess what I'm saying is like the city itself is not going to draw somebody because Portland, no, Portland no, hasn't not. signed a free agent of note in 30, 40 years. Oh, I like, agree. Just, I agree. That's why I'm saying the yeah. only sell point you have is Dane. So yeah. if you are making a free agent move, you got to make like, this is your, this is the only thing you have to sell. So sell it hard and have enough money to combine that with the sell to make it something worthwhile for someone. Right. Because and even, even then, I don't think that's going to be enough. I think it's not. What, this, what I was, this, we need needs to start thinking about getting out. Yeah, I, I think really where I was trying to go with that is like the Cavs had a little bit of cap space this last year, and they weren't going to sign Lowry Markkinen, but they were able to do a sign and trade. Like they were able to right. trade someone into their cap space. Jared um, Allen, which, same deal. Right, which you can do when you when you have cap space, you don't have to match the salaries. You can just take a player in. And you don't, right. you can just send them a second round pick or something. So right, I think right, right. That, that's more what I was getting at is I think that's going to be more their focus than like an outright free agent signing. They'll just use that as a way to acquire players through trade. So, I mean, the same idea with like Indiana or Indiana, like no one's going to go sign a big free agent deal in Indiana right. of note. Right. But could they trade for someone? Yes. And fit them right. into that, that room. That'll work. Makes so, sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Could be something that they're pulling for. 
Right. Uh, so. I, I do like McCollum, but I like McCollum a lot more when Zion gets back. Let's um, see. The Heat whenever actually that is. did – the Heat ruined his Pelican debut tonight. They did. With a solid, like, uh, double-digit pounding because we are Which the Heat, that game maybe. was close at halftime. Yeah, we were up one at halftime, um, and then we turned we it on. by, and... like, 17 or something. Yeah, yeah, we, you know, we did it, baby. <laughs> God. Uh, oh, cocky Heat fan is out. And... I know. We are, I we've know. been first nothing... in the East for, like, two weeks. It's like, whew. I know. There's, there's yeah, nothing I can really do about that after right the, now. After the All-Star break, we're going to bring back Depot. Actually, Depot might be next week. Uh, I was hearing the 10th. Uh, and then it backed up a little bit, but it could not. It could be before the All Star break, but pro- most probably right after. But man, that's that. If we get any shade of like good depot, like that's the best pickup at the break. Uh, well, I guess other than the last one that we'll talk. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say relax. Um, the the but it interesting cost us anything, so that's you know right has to be taken the, into consideration. The interesting thing about the East is like. It almost doesn't even matter what seed you are. Like you're gonna play some. Oh no! Yeah, you're gonna get into maybe a dog in the fight. like at this point right now. You'd play every the Nets. round is gonna be a dog fight for every team. Right, right. Like imagine a first round series with the Nets. If all the 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 mandates are still in order, that means Kyrie can play all the way games, so he can play in Miami, and then you'll have Ben Simmons up and running, and you'll have Durant back. Like that's your one eight game. <laughs> right. Which, not to say you guys still wouldn't win, but just like ugh, like. I'd so much rather play the Knicks or the fucking Hawks or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead, you're going to deal with Kevin Durant for six games. You have to anticipate that they'll be out of the playing spots with when Durant gets back and they got Simmons up and running and, like, Kyrie plays those. I mean, Kyrie can only play in, like, ten more games in the regular season or some shit like that because of their well, they had a home-heavy schedule for the end of it. Did, did you did you notice that, uh, that New York just lifted their mask mandate and they think that the vaccine mandate is soon after? I don't think – I don't think so. I, I think we'll, the mask we'll mandate is one thing, and I think the vaccine one is totally different. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Let's see. Yeah. That would be interesting. Yeah. Well, that, that would open up. Now he can play in 25, 30 games. games. That's a little bit different. Yeah. Right. It's like 17 at home and like 10 on the road. Right. Crazy. So. All right. All uh, right. So that was veered off into the Eastern Conference talk because I said we beat the Pelicans and ruined CJ McCollum's debut, so you did. on to the next. I do think the Pelicans won that trade. I'll throw that out there. That would be my assessment. They got the best player in the trade, which I always Yeah, they did the get win. the best player in the trade. Uh, next, and, and with all due respect to the Harden-Simmons one that we'll clearly get to at the end, I think this one was the most shocking. Um, the Pacers and Kings. Um, Yes. When that one flashed across, it was just sort of like, okay, it made mm-hmm. sense they traded Sabonis. I was not expecting to see Tyrese Halliburton's name in that trade. No, um, I wasn't. And, I'm, and, and we talked about this offline. I wasn't expecting to see Sabonis' name in that trade. We, we uh, were both under the, I was under the assumption that, yes, in, and I think we both were under the assumption that Indiana would move one or the other, Turner or Sabonis. I honestly did not think it was going to be Sabonis. I think Turner was the guy to move there. I think Sabonis was the right one to keep the build around. Clearly, the Indiana, the Indiana Pacers do not agree with that assessment. Well, honestly, I think Turner's foot made that decision for him because I think they needed to make a trade now while they had leverage, and Turner can't play until sometime after the All-Star break, and they don't even know when because he's a seven-footer with a foot issue, so you never really know. I mean, the Jazz just fucking traded somebody with a torn ACL. So like, but that was clearly a salary dump. 
if yeah, if you're trading for Miles you. Turner, you're not you're not trading no, that yeah, guy out right. for the season. You want him. So that's uh I mean we did too. Rubio is not playing for this for this season. That's either. true. That is true. Um so, all right. So, so yeah, who Halliburton uh, I didn't think he would, I mean they balked at going for Simmons because they didn't want to trade Halliburton and then right. He ends up in a trade for Sabonis. Right. And there were talk of like Deer and Fox going to the Knicks and stuff like that and then all of a sudden that flipped to Halliburton, Buddy Heald and Tristan Thompson. For Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, and a second-round pick. Um, yeah, I mean, Halliburton's their best young player, probably top two or three best young players they've had in Sacramento in the last 20, 25 years. Like, that dude, his second year in the league, granted, you got an all-star back for him, so, like, it's not like they traded him for pennies. Right. But just very shocking that that's the one he moved on. They moved on from with that contract. Um, even, even if you think that Fox and Halliburton are similar players, Fox is on a max. Like, trade that and keep your minimum guy so you can build around him. Like, it just seems like it made more sense. But, yeah, I saw a couple different things about how, how terrible of a place uh, King's Twitter and King's Reddit was afterwards. There were things flashing all over. Uh, with that stuff, it was really funny. <laughs> Their fans were not happy. We'll put it that way. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So, let's see. What do you got next? All right. So next one, we will go. The Bucks and the Pistons, the Clippers, the Kings—they all made a four-team trade. That one was sort of eh. Uh, the Raptors trading Dragic to the Spurs for Thaddeus Young, eh. Uh, let's see. I guess we're on to the big one. Well, we'll go Porzingis. We'll go Porzingis next. Porzingis. Porzingis made something. me laugh. Yeah, that that one was something. Because I, I don't know what the Mavericks are doing. And and if they're not careful, Same. they're going to lose him. Well, they're going to lose him. They're going to have to trade him. Because like, he, he signed that Supermax already, didn't he? Yeah. 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 Okay. But so it's gonna have to. Okay, clearly, that doesn't matter. You can't anymore. just walk away. Well, no. You're right. No, you're right. No, but I mean, Simmons had four years left. <laughs> that didn't matter. I can't. Yeah, you're right. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. It's just I don't know. Like I don't know what they're doing. Oh. So what did they? They moved them to the Wizards. The Wizards for Davis Bertans and Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie and no picks or anything. Uh, no. Jesus, no my God. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, they, they traded a second-round pick with Porzingis. Oh, Beal's like, out for the season. Beal is out what for the season. What are the Wizards yeah. doing? I don't know. They also traded Trez to the Hornets. So they're just, like, shedding salary, I guess, because they suck. I, I had read a report that Kuz and Beal were the only ones that were uh, untouchable, quote-unquote, which – to throw Kuzma in there is hilarious to me, but whatever. Well, it's because I mean, if you're gonna, you gotta, make, if you're gonna have to name something untouchable, you gotta name something. I mean, Beal, stop. <laughs> Bradley Beal, <laughs> that's, that's it. Kuz, that's, you know, that's it. How Kuzma, he's untouchable. Oh yeah. Jesus Christ. He wears I don't know what the Wizards are doing, sweaters. but the Wizards. This is why the Wizards are the Wizards. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what, they uh, suck. The Mavericks. They. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. I. 
I mean, Dinwiddie's a good player. I, I, I actually really like him, and I wouldn't have minded if it didn't cost us very much. I wouldn't have minded us getting Dinwiddie because Washington apparently made it really obvious that, like, their locker room hated him and wanted to move on, like, no matter what. So it was not a surprise that they traded him. Um, I get it, but, like, from a Mavericks perspective, like, you try, you didn't acquire anybody who you consider a number two to, to no. Luca. Whereas no, and the, and the number two that you've had for three years. That. Right. The number two you thought you had for the last three years now is gone. So now you have a one and a couple threes. Yeah. Which, Doesn't make sense. Uh, yeah. Doesn't maybe sense. maybe they think they can turn some of their parts into something, but that's never worked for them. Like, they've never been able to do that. Every time Cuban frees up space for, for free agents or they try to make a big trade, they, they end up – Balking or doing something wrong or doing a DeAndre Jordan where they think they have him and then they, he gets kidnapped. Like that was they, they never one of the most absurd stories in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, DeAndre Jordan guys... getting kidnapped to not sign a contract. <laughs> you had the guys uh, putting out on Twitter all those emojis. That was hilarious, bro. <sighs> um, all right, so that's that. So does that take us to the main event? Yeah, well, I guess I guess we'll say the the Wizards won that trade. Like, it it seems like two dumb things, but there's no they got the better the player, trade. right? Just dumb things, I guess. They, <laughs> if you're gonna go by that rule, they did get the better player. But those are just this is a dumb trade, and neither team should have done this. Yeah, yeah, I don't get it. I yep. I thought honestly there was an hour left. Like when I when I saw it, and of course I'm behind, so I'm thinking it's 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. my time, and I saw that trade at like 11:55, which would have been like 2:55 your time. Right, and um, then it was three. Yeah, I'm thinking it's four. So I'm thinking, okay, they did this because they have someone else they're going to go get. Douglas, with Douglas, uh, friend of the pod, also thought it was at four. And I'm like, no, guys, it's three o'clock. This is done. He is, this is over. Yeah, so I I mean, Dallas is playing really well this year. Yes, so the it idea, doesn't make sense. <laughs> the idea that you just traded your second best they're player. They're not even in a park. playing spot. Like, they're top six in the West. Right, and and they legitimately could be five, just depending on how Denver does with their injuries. If Denver gets back Murray, then I think they're they yeah. might pass Utah for four. But different different conversation, I suppose. But yeah, I just, yeah, I don't so get it. I don't understand. I don't get it. Let's see what let's see what uh, Jason Kidd and Mark Cuban have up their sleeve. Yes. All right, and the aforementioned main event, uh, the thing that was um, discussed by who ended up being. Uh, correct, Brian Windhorst, uh, yesterday, and Woj came out and said there's been no discussions for a month, and Wendy said before and after that, uh, Harden really wants out of Brooklyn. They're they're getting pretty close. They're in the quote-unquote deal zone, uh, which everybody was making fun of. And then today, uh, they, they finally did it. Me and you have been talking about this since training camp. They finally traded Ben Simmons. It's great. In in August, no, in in October, we were like, yeah, it'll be done in two weeks. Right, right. Here we are. No February way they start 10th. the season with no Ben Simmons. February yeah, 10th. No. But uh, right. it is done. It is decided. It um, is decided. Yeah. So I, full trade. Full trade. James it. Harden and Paul Millsap for Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond. Uh, this year's first-round pick, unprotected, can be deferred until next year. And uh, 2027 first round pick protected one through eight so two firsts ben simmons seth curry and andre drummond for harden 
and Paul Millsap, who may or may not get waived. Right. So, yeah, go where ahead. Do we, where do we begin? Where do we begin? Um, <laughs> the Sixers had to do this. The Sixers, one of the conversations around having to move Ben Simmons was the urgency of not wasting another year of Embiid's prime. And Embiid is having an amazing season. So the Sixers had to do this. They got the best player that they could have for this. So I can't yes. shit on Daryl Morey for that. Right. Um, they gave up a lot. They gave up a lot for somebody who is a little bit older and has had a tendency of forcing his way out of town when he is not happy. Two um, years in a row. Two years in a row. Um, but if, it's gonna, if it works, like it could work. But it's also got a very good percentage chance to blow up in their faces. Um, personality needs to be taken into account. Like, I'm sure they've never been on the same team. I'm sure Embiid and Harden have been cool in passing, but, like, the ball's not going to always be in Embiid's hands anymore. Like, it has been this season. That could benefit him, right, because he's a very efficient player. So it'll get him more opportunities to move around. He's going to be able to – they're going to be able to move the offense around a little bit and not have to center it there, right? So that's going to ease up some pressure. James Harden cannot be ball-pounding James Harden of Houston, though. He's going to have to – I don't know, man. He, it doesn't seem like he wants to be the guy. He wants to be part of a super team. That was the, kind of the report of what he wanted out here because Kyrie wasn't around. Now this guy's hurt. Now it's all on Harden again. He's like, this is exactly what I didn't want. So let's see if it works out. If it works out, it could work out really well for them. And I'm hesitant to say it will, but, like, I can absolutely see it happening. Uh, and from the Nets side, I don't know. Who are you? Who did you just trade for? Like, who are you going to get? What shape is he going to be in? What mental capacity is he going to be in? Is he going to shit his pants the first time they boo him in Brooklyn? Like, you don't have KD to protect him right now. Um, and you don't have... Irving uh, in home games, which we just said they're going to play a lot of. So it's kind of going to like all eyes are going to be on this kid. Like what, what did you just get into? You don't know. But again, if it works, that's a high defensive player, a ball distributor that can get to your scores. KD, obviously Kyrie is a great shooter. Um, it could work on the court. I don't know. It all depends on who you got in this Ben Simmons trade. I'm anxious to see who shows up and how he does out there. I don't know. I don't want to ball hog the situation here, so go. I'll give you some time here. No, no. You're, I, everything you said, uh, especially the beginning part, is exactly what I was going to say. Uh, just you, you can't have Harden of Houston. You need Harden of Brooklyn. And I think he's okay playing that way. He just, like you said, he didn't want it all on his shoulders anymore. Uh, clearly that's not how you win. You know, they were able to sneak by in Houston when it was just him, but they were most successful with Chris Paul. Right. So I think, I think part of the reason he wanted this is just maybe he didn't enjoy living in Brooklyn and he, he just didn't want this, this circus anymore of, you know, you got a part-time player and you got Durant who's, who's in and out. Um, so I, I can understand why he wanted to go to Philly. You know, you have the comfortability of, of Maury and then you have Embiid. Um, although I, I will say you're one Embiid turned ankle away from it being James Harden. <laughs> like it's not, it's not that Without many. Curry to help. Right. Right. So 
I do think they'll they'll both get some reinforcements. I, I think, you got that I think Brooklyn, max player Tobias Harris there to back you up, son. That's it. That's it. I mean, I, I do think that they'll both be buyout candidate teams. Um, Brooklyn actually, I think, had to waive a player to fit Drummond onto the onto the roster, um, and then Philly gave up a roster spot, so they they'll have a spot open for somebody, uh, yeah. depending on who gets bought out and and how that looks. Um, but I don't know, man. Like I. I I tend to look at, at these trades as like best case scenario. I think the best case scenario with Harden and Embiid is you have two literal, like you have MVP candidates on both levels of the floor. You have a guard MVP and you have a center MVP. Like that's, that by itself is hard to compete with. Like that's Shaq Kobe type of stuff. Um, so yep. I, not that I mean I'm not doing the. I whole, understand like, you did not just com- you did not compare not, James not. Harden to Kobe. I get that, and I'm not even comparing Embiid to Shaq. Uh, their games no, are totally that, different. That, that would be the same height. that would be ridiculous, Robert. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I promise you, I'm not. Shaquille O'Neal would feel disrespected. <laughs> Listen, I, I've said multiple times Shaquille O'Neal is the fourth best player to ever play basketball. So I I am not comparing anyone to him. But um, who's third? I do think. Who, you know, I go back and forth on that a lot. I want to say, I think somewhere between Wilt and Kareem, because whoever's not third is fifth. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can, I can live with that. I'd probably put Shaq above both of those guys, but I can see why one of them would be Adam. All right. That was crazy sidetrack. Anyway. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So okay, Philly. Yes, it, it could it could work for them. Let's see. Yeah, yeah, and and the same thing with Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn at full strength, which, like you said, you don't know what you're getting. You don't know when that's going to happen. Um, but the fact that I've always thought that these three-headed monsters work the best when the third best player doesn't need shots. Um, and and Simmons' whole issue has always been he's been the second best player. He needed to shoot. He needed to get shots. He doesn't need to do that in Brooklyn when he's on the court with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. He doesn't have to. And he'll right. still have Patty Mills out there, too, knocking down threes. So, Patty Mills. <laughs> so, like, now you have a defensive stopper that clearly Harden was not. Um, you have That's someone who can guard really one be, through five. Yeah, that could really be a game changer for the Nets. Like, yeah. Because if yeah, you're, you you can already outgun them. If you can hold them slightly further down, you just that's that could be their winning combination. I think that that could be right. key. Right. Well, and you think too, uh, for the last year and a half, Durant has taken every team's best defender. He's had to guard him. Uh, he doesn't have to do that anymore. Ben Simmons right. can now. Again, like you said, when when does Ben Simmons even play? I mean, we right. There's still no ballpark of when he gets on the court. I guess he's been working out in Philly. I'm sure um, he's he's ha- and when he's not he, he may be a drama queen, but he's probably not an idiot. So I'm sure he's in some sort of physical shape. When when I listened to a podcast that came out Tuesday morning, so it, it was done Monday night. They had said that someone had seen them very or seen him working in Philly very recently, and he looked fantastic. So from the sound of it. He's he's relatively close to game shape. You might only need a week or two to ramp him up, right? But they're going to try to get him in the lineup as fast as possible. They clearly sure they can't will. wait. Yeah, they, they, they can't wait. Playing area, right? Right. Yeah, they they need to get out of that playing. So their their goal needs to be we got to pass Toronto. Um. So, 
yeah. I don't know, man. That's best case scenario. It's going to be awesome for both teams. We, we don't even mention the fact that they're division rivals uh, and that Brooklyn travels to Philadelphia in a month, which uh, mm. could be the worst return since LeBron came back to Cleveland. But we'll see. Yeah, probably will be because Philadelphia fans are ruthless. They're ruthless. I would assume Simmons won't play in that game. Uh, the first couple of times Kyrie came back to Cleveland, he didn't he didn't even travel with the team hmm. uh, with Boston. Bunch so. of sensitive bitches. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so. you know, you ask out of a team like that, and you, you have to expect it. And and every, all the reports were he he basically didn't want to come back because he's terrified of of his reaction to the Philly right. crowd. Yeah, yeah. No, he's he's emotionally soft. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, that is our trade deadline recap, but that segues into where I want to finish off. And uh, and we kind of hit on it a little bit during that conversation. Let's talk about the state of the East. Like, it is very entertaining right now. Teams 1 through 10 are separated by 9 games. 1 through 7 are only separated by 5. Uh, your truly Miami Heat, a best team in the conference. We are up by a game. I don't know. How's that Bucks game going right now? Oh, Phoenix Bucks opened are, up a 14-point oh, lead. Yep. So, uh, by the end of the night, most likely Miami will have a game-and-a-half lead over Milwaukee, Chicago, and Cleveland for first place in the East. So, that's how it stands right now. Philly's at three games back, Toronto at four. So, that rounds out your teams that are not in the play-in right now. Um, what do you think, man? How do you think this is going to shake out? This is exciting. We're, we're, we're almost down the stretch. We've got, like, uh, what, 35 games left? 20, 30 games? 30 games this year. Yeah, I think closer to, closer to 30, 28 or 30. We are um, we have 56 in, so 18. No, seven, it's 82. No, so 28, 28. This is not the, this is not the <laughs> COVID season. Um, so, yeah, we got 28 games left. So, right around 30 for everybody in the league, about 30 or less. So, yeah, we're getting there, man. This is, whew, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I'm excited. I, I do think. I don't know. It's it's hard. Who'd you guys play right now? You guys would play Philly right now if if this if it shut down. Ugh, I don't like that at all. You'd have home court. I don't care. (laughs) I I mean, granted, I I do think that our length is probably the only team in the East that can give Philly problems with Embiid, uh, just because there's just so many dudes you can throw at him. But he's going to be able to bully all of them. Maybe not Jared Allen. That might be a toss up, but still. Not great. I, I will say this. Of the top six um, Eastern Conference teams, Cleveland has the easiest remaining schedule. Uh, so, you know, you take that for what it's worth. Boston has the 17th hardest. Brooklyn has the 13th hardest. Miami, the 12th hardest. Philadelphia, the 11th hardest. Uh, gee, Chicago with the third hardest and Milwaukee with the second hardest. So the Bulls and the Bucks have the hardest road ahead, um, nice. which makes sense. They basically backloaded the schedule for all these guys after the after football was over. Right. Now they all have national TV games against supposedly good teams. Miami still has the best point differential in the league. I mean, in the conference, third best points per game opposition. You guys are still up there, man. That your defense is outrageous. Your it's pretty wild. Your point differential is. A point one behind us. You're tied with Boston for second, right behind us. So, it's uh, that's pretty awesome. Our offense, though, thank God, thank God for it. And again, the Heat bringing back Oladipo soon should be good. Lowry's back. 
Uh, Tyler is got some bone bruising, but he should be good. Bam is up and running. Jimmy is fucking Jimmy. This team, man, we can man, we really. I'm trying to temper my excitement, but fuck, we can really do some damage in these playoffs because like we hang our hat on defense. We're a tough team. We are just. I'm looking forward to it. I really can't wait to to get the playoff season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, any of these, any of these top five across Brooklyn, um, I mean, it's it's very similar to how we were discussing the NFL playoffs. As you could, I mean, it's going to depend on seating and it's going to depend on health when we get to the playoffs. Yeah, because all six of these teams, uh, I know I've listened to a couple things that that have said the Cavs would probably be, even if they had home court, they'd be underdogs to basically anybody that they play. I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, even outside of my natural bias. Um, but it's just it's not going to be an easy, uh, easy series even from the first round on. I mean, it's just, it's just not. It's not going to be. Fun. I mean, even the Bulls going against the Raptors for for seven games. The Raptors are just a bunch of. There's Fred VanVleet and a bunch of dudes that are six foot nine, and <laughs> like they all have seven foot five reaches. They all can jump to the ceiling. Like that's a hard team to play against. Yeah, and you know that, that's. It's going to yeah. be a fun, fun playoffs. Like, it, like we said, it's going to be a dogfight from round one. Like there aren't some years you, you can see like the round one cakes and it's like, yo, there are no cakes in the East. That's, that's going to be a Western Conference game. Uh, the East is going to be competitive and up for grabs from round one all the way through. So it's going to be exciting. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And one last thing that I want to shout out for the Heat and just because, man, Culture is real, man. It's it starts oh from the top, God. starts from the top. It works its way down. The NBA released their list of top fifteen head coaches ever, and Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra are both on that list. That is incredible. Eric Spolstra has never won NBA Coach of the Year. How embarrassing is that for the league right now? Like for their voting system and the writers. Like top fifteen coach ever. There are thirty active right now so half of that in the history of the fucking game and he's one of them and you guys have never given him your little fucking yearly award it's it's insane it's embarrassing uh the man has the two championships to his belt in five eastern conference titles like give this man his respect give him his goddamn coach of the year award and let's right this wrong so there you go just had to finish off with that I'll I'll throw out there too that the Cavs had two of the top fifteen coaches of all time as well. Who who was on your Chuck Daly and Lenny Wilkins? Chuck Daly, but Chuck Daly's on there because of his work with the Pistons. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, how many championships did he win with you? No, 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 no. He coached our team. He is part of the top fifteen. That counts. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, that's and like you saying Pat Riley doesn't count for you because he had the Showtime Lakers. No, but he won a title with us. Oh, so did he win any counts. with LA? Yeah. So oh. he could be both. That's fine. I'm not taking oh. that away from him. I'm just saying. Oh, dude. oh my God. Who's the okay. other? Okay. Okay. Huh? Who's the other? Lenny Wilkins. Okay. I mean, Lenny Wilkins never won anything, so I guess he counts for everybody. He won, I think, as a player. I don't think I think he won a title uh, with the Sonics he's, as a he's player. A coach. He's a coach. He's yeah. A coach. yeah. Awesome. Well, that is that. Let's get Eric Spolstra's award. 
and let's wrap it up. <laughs> um, all right, that, that brings me to the end of what we've got. You got anything else for us? Oh, I think that's it, man. It's been nice to to like care about the schedule or the standings every single day. That's been that's yes. been fun. I, I've enjoyed Isn't it. it. Fun? Isn't it fun? Yeah. And to be honest with you, because for as much grief as I give you, you guys really do have a really smart front office. So you guys made that Thank stupid um, like giveaway trade with the Thunder, where you gave yes. up a, a player and got a second round pick back. Yes, but they but we also unlocked, lifted. Yeah, we unlocked our 2023 first round, and we gave them a 2025 first round. So now we have our next two first round picks, meaning we can trade one of them, and we're not locked up like we were before. So yes, right. there was a second. You got to peel the onion back on that one because that's where yeah. the real move was. And I know it's right. to set something up for us to make a, a blockbuster move in the offseason somehow. I don't know about a blockbuster, but now you have now you have a first. Even if yes. you saved it for next trade deadline, now you have a first. You still use. got right, 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 right. Which we we saw what that did to a team like the Lakers this year when they were clearly trying to do something. I mean, they came out and told everybody they're trying to do something at the deadline, but they don't have any assets. Nobody nobody right. cared about any of the crap that they have. They didn't Correct. even want to do John Wall for Russell Westbrook, which is hilarious I know. to me. Because they want because well, I mean, they didn't want to give up the first for it too. Imagine being traded for the same shitty contract twice. Again. <laughs> it's a different team from when the original transaction occurred altogether. Uh, it's so yeah, bad. That's the life of Poor John Russ. Wall and Russell Westbrook. Poor Russ. Getting benched in the fourth quarter. Then he didn't play against Portland last night. And, and LeBron and AD did, and they lost to the skeleton of the Portland Trail Blazers. Unbelievable. That team is going nowhere fast. Yeah, it was so bad. I really do enjoy and you know what? They, in Vegas, they still have the eighth highest title odds. It's ridiculous. <laughs> like, if, if anyone wants to say that nobody gives LeBron James his respect, just point to that. Yes. Like, no, the only right. reason you're top 10 is because of LeBron James, because it has nothing Absolutely. to do with the team. 100%. So, interesting. We'll see how it yeah. shakes out. Well, sir, thank you for your time. Thank you for another great episode. Everybody, make sure to rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Three Major Sports. Uh, chime in, interact with us, put up some polls sometimes, stuff like that. So, feel free to uh, jump in and give us suggestions, even what you like, what you don't like. So, thank you everybody for joining us. Rob, take it easy, my friend. Until next time, enjoy the Super Bowl, and we'll talk again soon. Appreciate it, buddy. Take care. Later, man.